Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Now for... Johnny Dollar. What, Barlow, Johnny? I'm on a spot. What's the matter? The Templeton house in Boston was knocked over sometime during the night. We have a $100,000 loss on our hands. Can you go over there right away? Well, I'll see what the plane situation is, Lord. Never mind the plane situation. Just pack up and get out to the airport. I'll meet you at Hangar 12. What? I'm chartering a plane for you. Bob Bailey in the exciting adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. (laughs) Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Mideastern Indemnity Corporation Home Office, Hartford, Connecticut. Following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the Templeton matter. Expense account item one, five dollars even, cab fare, from my apartment to Hangar 12 at the airport. A twin-inch bonanza had been rolled out and a fueling truck was pulled up alongside. A man in a sheepskin seemed to be supervising things. The man who seemed to be supervising him was Lud Barlow. When he saw me, he waved his briefcase. Hey, Johnny! Hi! Are you all set? Well, I'm here. That's what you mean, lad. That all your luggage? Yeah, this is it. This is Tommy Clark, Johnny, your pilot. How are you? Hi, Tom. I'll uh, stow this gear for you. Oh, thanks. The faster we move on this, the better off we are. You know that. I know. Uh, This is the blanket policy. This is the itemized list. This is the itemized list broken down. You'll have to check the itemized against the sales. Your authorization procedure... And a description of stock records, including shipments received by Templeton House up to and including the first day of last week. Okay? So, now maybe you'll tell me what this is all about. And when you get there, what? What it's all about. Let's start with Templeton House, huh? Biggest jewelry firm in Boston. You said they were robbed last night. Burglarized. Broken into somewhere between 5 and 7 o'clock in the morning. All set, Mr. Dollar. What'd they get away with? Well, that's for you to find out, Johnny. We carry a blanket policy on all their stock. Anything in the store in the way of merchandise is covered. On the phone, you said something about $100,000. It may be $200,000, Johnny. I take it you talked to somebody in Boston. Yeah. Yeah. Did you talk to the police? Yes, for a minute. I told them I was sending a man. They're expecting you. Give your hand, Mr. Dollar. Oh. Thanks, Tom. Uh, okay. Yeah. Thanks. Who's in charge, lad? Lieutenant Roebuck. Roebuck? Yeah. Get your seatbelt, Mr. Dillon. Oh, sure. If you'll want to see those contents records, you'll be sure and tell them they're up to date. Who's the man with the company? What? The man at the company. Temple Stand clear, Mr. Barlow. Remember, Johnny, a client can face a thing like this a lot better than that when the insurance company standing by. Eh? I'll try to remember that. Good luck and keep the informed. By the time we arrived at the Boston airport, I'd read over the policy and had a fair idea of the coverage involved. Expense account item two, ten dollars, more camp fare. I dropped my bags off at the Independence Hotel and had the driver take me over to Templeton House. 
Two police cars were parked in front of the building, and two uniformed police officers were parked in the doorway. I'm sorry, mister. The store's not open today. Well, I'm from the insurance company. Oh. Lieutenant Roebuck's in the back. Go ahead. At the back of the store, a white-coated intern and an ambulance attendant were working over a blanket-wrapped figure laid out on the stretcher. One of them was operating a plasma tube. The other was checking the pulse. A group of men, some in uniform, were watching closely. The tall, thin ones seemed to be in charge of things. Roebuck? Uh, yeah. Johnny Dollar, Middle Eastern Indemnity. Oh, didn't take you long. This is uh, Sergeant Younger, Sergeant Toohey. This is Mr. Dollar from the insurance company. Hi, man. What's this? Oh, this man was a special patrolman working the area. He must have walked right into the middle of it and got himself shot. They've been giving him transfusions ever since they found him. Uh-huh. Said anything yet? I hasn't been conscious. Doc, how about it? Uh, we can't do any more here, Lieutenant. We'll have to risk a trip to the hospital and try to operate. Okay, boys, load up. Right. Doc, this is Mr. Dollar, insurance company. How are you, Doc? Okay. Doc, we're going to want to talk to him the minute he comes around. I'm not going to promise you anything, Lieutenant. Well, see you. Fine. Well, Mr. Dollar, you didn't waste much time. I brought a contents list that might help you, Lieutenant. Good. The best help we're going to get is from that patrolman. Come on, sure. This is where they got in. Jimmy, huh? Yeah, most likely. There's marks there on the door, Jim. As near as we can tell right now, they only took important stuff. Easy to move. Easy to break down and unload, Jimmy. Yeah. Yeah, you can see where they snipped the alarms, grounded the wires. Mm-hmm. Showcases aren't touched. No, they went straight for the safe, darling. Well, we really got something on our hands, huh? You don't just break into a store and open one of these things very easy. Someone did. The neighborhood was canvassed for possible witnesses. I spent the rest of the morning with Dorian Templeton, the owner of the company. By noon, we had taken an inventory of the missing stock and drawn up a tentative list. As far as I know, that about does it, Mr. Dollar. Joe, what's the next step? I'll check this against the merchandise received reports, Mr. Templeton. It'll take a while. As soon as I have that finished, you can check it over again and file a formal claim. And then? The company will reimburse you in cash. Well, what are the chances for recovery in a case like this? Well, I could quote the actuaries, Mr. Templeton, but I won't. Why not? Whoever broke in here last night knew what they were about. They opened your vault the way you'd open your front door. They took what they wanted and got out very quickly. No alarm, no witnesses. The chances are they planned the rest of it just as well. They probably scattered. The police aren't sure how many men were involved. They know it was at least two men, possibly three. How did they arrive at that? One man working on the safe, another man looking out. Possibly two. The point is, the more men who were involved, the harder it'll be for them to take the jewelry, break it down, sell it, and stay out of sight. They're going to get away with it? I didn't say that. Well, nothing seems to have gone wrong with their plan so far. One thing went wrong. That special patrolman surprised them. True, he didn't have time to draw his gun or sound the alarm, but they had to shoot him. And if something hadn't gone wrong, they'd have been satisfied to knock him on the head. Uh, yes. Well, what happens now? Well, that's up to the police. I can tell you their investigation will take some time. Burglary is the toughest kind of thing to work on. Why? No witnesses. Uh, they never thought of that. Well, are you all cleaned up? Oh, we got a tentative list. As soon as I check it, I'll give it to you. Okay. Mr. Templeton, I'd like to have you come with me now. Now? 
Yes, we'll want your statement, sir, and there's quite a bit of work to do with the employees. Uh, all right. Dollar, as soon as you get the list up, give me a ring, will you? Yeah, okay. Uh, any news about the policeman? Yeah. It's a murder case now. Expense account item three, $25. Stenographic fees. The public stenographer at the hotel helped me make a comprehensive list of the stolen items, which was verified by Templeton. The amount of loss was set at $100,000. By late afternoon, clerks, stenographers, accountants, designers, salespeople, stonecutters, all in Templeton's employ had made statements to Lieutenant Roebuck. The statements were in the process of being checked. A general roundup of known safe crackers and burglary suspects had begun. Expense account item four, $3.75 dinner. Lieutenant Roebuck and myself. Well, it's going to be a long night. Yeah. Any luck on the employees? No, it's hard to say yet. One of them has a record. Hmm? Yeah, a fellow named Tabor. One of the janitors there. He's a two-time loser. I had him tucked away in a cell until we clear some of this other stuff away. Has he said anything? Oh, he denies all knowledge. As far as time incident goes, he was home sleeping when all this happened, but that doesn't rule him out of somehow getting that safe combination and passing it on to a friend. Yeah. Man with the record's apt to have that kind of friends who'd be interested in just that kind of thing. Hey, uh, how much do you want me around? You're a free agent, Dollar. If you have any ideas, I'll listen. He's a tough baby, any way you look at it. Let me talk to Tabor. There might be a shortcut. Why not? Well, John Tabor? That's right. Who are you? Johnny Dollar. I'd like to talk to you a minute. Okay, talk. You might be in a lot of trouble, Tabor. That'd be too bad. They tell me you're a two-time loser. If you don't believe what they tell you, you just go look it up for yourself. It's right down there in the books. How did you get that job at Templeton's? I asked for it. They know about your record? No. You keep it from them? I didn't broadcast it, would you? No. Okay, what other dumb questions have you got? Do you have any ideas about this? I've got a lot of ideas. Do you know anything about it? No. Need anything? What? Cigarettes, anything? I'm all set. Okay. My company faces a big loss in this case. We'd like to avoid that loss. There's a standard offer I'm authorized to make in some instances. I'm going to make it to you. If you have any knowledge of this crime and can furnish any information that will lead to the arrest of the persons involved and recovery of the merchandise, my company will guarantee you the best possible legal assistance in the event that information should incriminate you. That's pretty generous. Well, I have to say it to you. You can use your own judgment. Hey, guys. It's a pretty good offer when you think about it, Tabor. You have a record. The police can't pass you up without a lot of scrutiny. You know that. That record makes me a real hot one. I swiped a couple of cars, and now they think I might have opened that vault. No, they don't think that. But they have to find out if you might have contact with somebody who did open it. I don't know anything about it. In that case, you'll be released. Oh, sure. Sure, I'll be released when every cop in town had a go at me twice. I'll be released when the guys who did the job walk into the station and say we didn't mean it, we want to give it back. They've always got to have somebody to throw to the newspapers. Maybe. You know it and I know it. Nothing better than to throw some old ex-con in a can and hold him for questioning. Well done. Go for it? No. 
Any more ideas? Turn him loose, Lieutenant. See whom he talks to and whom he meets. John Caver was released without bail and a 24-hour watch was put on his residence. By 10 o'clock the next morning, the police had located three witnesses to the shots that had killed the special patrolman. However, none of them had seen the burglars or the car that was used. The district attorney's office issued an order impounding the financial records of Templeton House. A complete audit revealed that its affairs were in excellent shape. It also revealed that Templeton himself was the only man in the jewelry firm who had the combination to the vaults. His statements emphatically denied giving the combination to anyone. As far as the police were able to determine, he was telling the truth. The search for all known safe crackers extended into New York and Philadelphia and Chicago. On the morning of the third day, a claims adjuster arrived from Hartree with a check for $100,000, full payment on the claim. Two hours later, we had the first break on the case. Hey! Caller, hey! What? Oh! Hello, Lieutenant. Come on, get in. What's up? Well, the Harbor Division found a body down by the docks early this morning. All weighted down with 38 slugs. They were fired from the same gun that killed that special patrolman. They match, huh? Like the dimples on your knee. Truly, Johnny Dollar, in just a moment. It is a rare event when a young man decides to leave civilization behind and hide himself away in the steaming jungle, just so he can help his fellow humans in a remote corner of the world. The late Dr. Tom Dooley did just that when he left the United States to help the sick and starving jungle people in the little kingdom of Laos in Southeast Asia. Dr. Dooley's story is well known to nearly everyone. And all over the world, people talk of his little jungle hospital on stilts. That's where he treated the dread diseases of the jungle and trained native medical technicians so that they might help their own people. Dr. Dooley wrote and lectured to many people so that the work of his medical assistance program, Medico, might go on. It was not easy for someone so young and so talented to give up the bright lights of the city and plant himself down in an unknown jungle just for the purpose of helping unfortunate people he didn't even know. But through Medico, Dr. Tom Dooley wanted to help people. He wanted to help people to help themselves. Today, the work of Medico is going forward in a number of countries besides Laos. Young men are being sent to the United States to be schooled in medicine with the idea of returning to their own countries to help their own people. Hundreds of thousands of dollars' worth of medical supplies have been donated by American businessmen and pharmaceutical companies. Today, Dr. Tom Dooley's work is being continued for him. It is helping to create better understanding. It is... An injection of the spirit of freedom. The right of all men everywhere. Now, act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar and the Templeton Matter. I spent the rest of the day with Lieutenant Roebuck at the morgue. 
The body that had been found in the harbor was a man about 35 to 40 years old. Slim bill, dark hair. The labels had been cut out of his clothes and the laundry marks torn off. His fingerprints didn't check with anything in the local files. Roebuck put them on the wire to Washington and requested an urgent identification. Johnny Dollar. Blood Barlow, Johnny. What's this in the paper? Well, a special patrolman and the unidentified man were killed by the same gun. As soon as we get an identification, we can go to work. How about that ex-con that turned up working at Templeton's? Tabor? Well, they're still watching him. He might have been the case, man. So far, it's just an idea. I'd like a recovery on this one, Johnny. So would I. What do you think is possible? Well, two days ago, I would have said no. Today, things look better. For one thing, none of the merchandise has shown up on the market. For another thing, there'll be, there has to be, some kind of connection with this unidentified man. I just read your report on Templeton himself. He's out of the question as a suspect? So far, yeah. He's the only one who had the combination to the safe. There's no apparent motive for him to rob himself. But he's the only Don't one who Don't start had... yelling at me, Lud. I know what you're thinking. Find a motive. Well, give us time, boy. Give us time on everything. Lud? Oh, I guess I hate to pay off big claims. <laughs> you may get it back. Keep your pants on. Expense account item five, fifty dollars deposit for rented car. That afternoon, I drove from Boston to Creeksdale, the home of the Grantland Safe Company, where I met a man who looked as formidable as the product he manufactured. I am Grantland, sir. I found him standing inside a shiny new vault, ready for shipment. Beautiful thing, eh? On its way to South America tonight. Well, I, I never thought of a safe exactly that way, Mister Grant. Ah. Beauty, strength. Think for a moment, sir, the treasures it will someday hold. But I bore you, sir, with my enthusiasm. Now then, you say you are here on a matter of vaults? One vault, Mr. Grantlin. No. The one your company sold and installed at the Templeton House in Boston 17 years ago. Yes. Have you read about the burglary? No, sir, I have not. Templeton House. Yes, the vault was open. Blasted. Opened. Someone had a combination. I am bewildered, sir. Indeed I am. You want a thorough accounting for my organization, of course. Well, that's up to the police, Mr. Grantlin. Right now, for my own information, I wonder if you could tell me who might have the combination to that vault. Well, in answer to your question, I would first have to inspect our records. I brought the serial numbers. Oh, well, let me see. Well, that's as good as... Uh, the K series, Mr. Keating set the final combination. Mr. Keating? Yes, my chief engineer for years. And who else? Uh, myself, sir. I'd have a record of the combination in my own file. And who are those available to? Myself, sir. I keep them in my own vault. I see. Anyone else? No one here. The people in proper authority at Templeton. I'd like to meet Mr. Keating if I could. Impossible, Mr. Dollar. Why? Mr. Keating has been dead these six years. I drove back to Boston, phoned Roebuck, and told him about my interview with Grantland. He said he'd already started looking into Grantland's background and expected to have a report within 36 hours. I was a little surprised when Dorian Templin called half an hour later and asked me to have lunch with him. Would you like a drink? No, not now, guys, no. I didn't know whether to call you or the police, Mr. Dollar. I finally decided on you. Uh-huh. What's the matter? Well, it's one of those strange things. Uh, 
I'm not a particularly observant man, and I don't know why I observed this. Go on. However, last night, Mrs. Templeton and I went to a dinner dance at the country club. We thought with all this business, a little relaxation should do me some good. Yeah, sure. There was a young girl at the table next to ours, a very pretty girl whom I've never seen before. I happened to notice her handbag, jeweled affair, quite expensive. One of our items. Yeah? It didn't occur to me until we were leaving that it had been sampled stock, not for sale. What do you mean? It was stolen, Mr. Dollar. Why not the police, Mr. Templeton? I was going to call them first thing this morning and report it. And then I got a package in the mail. It was the handbag, intact. Crazy? You said it. Did you happen to get the name of the girl? I asked the metody. He said her name was Helen Tabor. That's not so crazy. Expense account item six, ten cents, one phone call. To Lieutenant Roebuck to see if John Tabor was still being watched. Roebuck said that two men were on duty watching his house at all times. I saw them when I drove up an hour later. They were parked across the street. Yes? Miss Tabor? Yes, who are you? Johnny Dollar, is your father in? He's sleeping right now. May I help you? I don't know. Didn't I see you at the country club last night? Why, yes, were you there? Couldn't keep my eyes off of you. Or your handbag. Oh. I'll talk to him, honey. Dad, is anything wrong? Nothing I can't handle. Go ahead, fix up a pot of coffee. All right, Dad. Nice girl, Tabor. Yeah. Templeton was at the country club last night. He saw her. You can talk to me or you can talk to the police. I don't have to talk to anybody. The way it looks is that you cased the job. You might even have killed a special patrolman. He was shot close range. Could have been somebody new and trusted. You've got your share of things. That handbag was part of it. A little part of it. The way it looks, huh? And that's about it. Of course, I don't understand why you sent the handbag back, but... Then you've probably got a good story for that. Oh, I've got a good story. Nobody will believe it, but I've got a good one. It starts off by me saying I didn't help in that heist. I had nothing to do with it. I didn't case the place for anybody. I didn't even know it was coming off. Let's get to the handbag. I took that two days ago. I borrowed it. I've been borrowing stuff right along whenever my kid needed anything. They always come back in good shape. I told her they... They let me do it. She don't know anything. Borrowed, huh? It's kind of a strange philosophy. I don't even know how to spell the word. I do know my kid's got a life ahead of her. I got to give her every chance to look good, act good, use her brains, meet the right people. Not just because the right people have money, but because they know more right people. It takes a, it takes a little extra to let her do things like that. You let her use the handbag because she had a date to go to a dance. Uh, you guys are all the same. I didn't expect you to believe it. Oh, relax. Maybe I do believe you. What? It sounds nutty enough to be the truth. It is the truth. All right. You taking me in? I'm going to tell Roebuck about this. He'll probably want to talk to you. He can check it better than I can. Now, I haven't any authority to take you in. I wouldn't take you in anyhow. I'm interested in guys who walk into vaults. See you around. Hey, wait a minute. What? 
I never thought I'd see the day when I try to help a cop or anybody like a cop. Maybe this is the day. I, um, I saw the paper last night. Oh? The picture of that guy they found floating in the harbor. They tagged him yet? He's a John Doe until we hear from Washington. His name's Kylie. Billy Kylie. How do you know? I used to know him a long time ago. Billy Kylie? Yeah, from Philadelphia. Thanks. A check with the Philadelphia police and a comparison of fingerprints identified the man as William H. Kiley. His Boston address was on Parker Street. I drove out there with Lieutenant Roebuck. It was an ordinary, undistinguished apartment house. No one answered at apartment 12A, so we let ourselves in. The room had nothing to offer in the way of evidence. Well, did you find anything? No. Well, I'll ask some men come out here and give it a good going over. Well, uh, maybe the manager or the tenants or something will help us. Come on, let's go. Yeah. No. I'll be careful, though. Yeah. Yeah. Jim? Yeah. This is Tim. Any trouble there? A little. Say that again. A little. I don't know who you are. But I know you're not Tim. Well, it sounds like we're getting something. Here, let me have the phone. I'll see if I can trace him. Don't bother. I know where we can find him. What? I'd recognize his voice anywhere. It was dark by the time we got to the Grantland Safe Company factory in Creeksdale. There was a single work light spreading a sickly yellow glow over the main floor loading platform. We were expected. <laughs> It went off somewhere in the darkness of the building. Okay. Yeah, I'm okay. Let's try for that stair ready. Right. You see the flashes? There. All right. I'll have to try. You need dollar. You need your alone. Answer him. Yeah. What are you doing here? Looking for $100,000 worth of jewelry and the answer to a couple of murders. <laughs> Funny? <laughs> you're very foolhardy, but you're courageous. A man of your perception could do well with a part of that money. No, thanks. I'll take it all. You will take nothing, sir. Keep him talking. I'll try to get under the stairs. Are you alone? For a little while. But I've got people coming, though. Oh, people, eh? Mr. Dollar? Still alive and kicking, Mr. Grantland. You can't shoot around corners. No. <laughs> but then I don't have to shoot around the corner. Very, very, very good, very good shooting, sir. Grandland, I want to stay there. No, no. No statement. No statement. He was dead before the ambulance arrived, and there was no statement. There was never a statement. As nearly as it could be pieced together, Grandland himself opened the vaults at Templeton House. William Kiley and possibly a man named Tim helped him. Kylie, of course, was killed for his efforts. 
Tim never appeared, was never identified. My hotel bill ran up to $168. That's item seven. Item eight, $35, car rental. I got $50 deposit back. Item nine, $32 and a half, airfare and incidentals back to Hartford. Expense account total, $413.28. Remarks? Put that against $100,000 the insurance company didn't have to pay off. Danny Dollar. This is Barlow. I just talked to Roebuck in Boston. There's not one scrap of that jewelry anywhere in that whole safe factory. Not one piece. I know. What? Just about now, there's a safe at the port of New York being shipped to South America. It's a Grantland safe. And if you hurry over there, you can... <laughs> Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Johnny Dollar has come to you through the worldwide facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Deller. Where have you been for the past 20 minutes? In the shower. For 20 minutes? Okay, so I'm a shiny dollar. So you're... Oh. Who's that? Max. Max Green at Assured Equity. Oh, hi, Max. What's on your mind? Four score and seven years ago... Our father's brought forth, but that doesn't answer my question. Johnny, you ever hear of the Meeks? Uh... New England family, stood away in the Mayflower, speak only to their money? That's the Meeks. What about him? No, not about them. It's about Mariah Meek and Lincoln's Gettysburg Address. She's lost her copy of it. Well, it shouldn't be hard to find her another one. That's where you're wrong, Johnny. Huh? It would be very hard. Might cost us $100,000. Bob Bailey in the exciting adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account. 
America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Assured Equity and Trust Company, 325 Scott Avenue, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the Meek Memorial matter. Expense account item one, $1.90, cab from my apartment of Max Green's office. He was standing in a haze of cigar smoke, ashes on his vest, and a worried look on his face. Oh, good morning, good morning, Johnny. Oh, you want a cigar? Oh, no, no, thanks. Then sit up, sir. Excuse me. Listen, Johnny, what do you know about that speech that Lincoln made at Gettysburg? Well, I had to memorize it in school like every other kid. All right, you know how many words are in it? Um, maybe a couple of hundred. Why? Wait a minute, it's in this book. Here, it's page 143. Speech is printed here exactly as Mr. Lincoln released it to the newspapers after the Gettysburg Address. You find it? Yeah, but now what do you... Okay, total number of words, 268. But the first two drafts of that speech, including the one he read that day, contained only 266 words. So he padded his part. That's right. Two more words. Mm -hmm. How come? Oh, according to the historians, Lincoln ad-libbed the two additional words at the time he read it. Later on, when he made three new copies of the speech, he included those two words. You with me so far? Keep going, Max. Yes. All right. Right down at the end of it, just before Of the People, By the People, where he said that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, hmm? the words under God do not appear in the first two drafts you wrote. Yeah. Well, this is all very interesting, Max, but I still don't see what it is or what it has to do with me. Well, Mariah Meek's copy has disappeared. Oh. And Johnny... That copy happens to contain just 266 words. You mean she owns one of the first two original drafts? Handwritten by Mr. Lincoln himself while he was on the train riding to Gettysburg. Wowie. Yeah. Which is, of course, why we insured it for the full amount it cost her, which is $100,000 even. Of course, you made sure it was authentic before you issued the policy. Oh, naturally. Well, who'd she buy it from? An antique dealer down in Richmond, Virginia, a fellow named... Uh, Jason Penrod. Uh-huh. Well, where's she been keeping it? Under glass, in the Meek Memorial. What's that? Well, she collects Americana, so she had a museum built to keep it in, and she calls it the Meek Memorial. Follows? Follows. Also follows the most expensive item in the collection, the Gettysburg Address, would be the one to disappear. Oh, you're just an old pessimist, Max. You think somebody lifted it? What do you think? It walked out by itself. Okay, okay. So what are you going to do about it? Well, we're going to run newspaper ads. We're going to offer a $10,000 reward for information leading to its return. If anyone answers it, you let me know where you'll be, and I'll refer them to you. Good. When was it taken? The night before last. Is there any kind of market for something that rare? Uh, it's hard to say, Johnny. A hot camera would be easier to peddle. Sure. But a good many wealthy people, like Mrs. Meek, they make a hobby of collecting things, you know, antiques, objects of art, etchings. But whoever took this or buys it from the thief couldn't just let everybody see it. Well, it wouldn't matter to some people. They take it and put it in a vault and keep it there. Then what's the point in having it around? Pride of possession. You've got something no other collector could own. Mm. And, of course, it might not have really disappeared at all. You're thinking of fraud? A hundred grand is a lot of cash. <laughs> Expense account item two, $1.90, cab fare back to my apartment. I wasn't particularly intrigued by this assignment, 
Rare documents, like anything else antique, have always seemed to be just one step from decay. And that sometimes goes for the people who collect such things. Item three, $16.10, transportation, including a round-trip ticket, Hartford to New Bedford, and cab fare to the Whalers Hotel. There was a convention in town, so I was lucky to get a room. After checking in, I called the Meek residence. Mrs. Meek was expecting me and said she'd have her car pick me up. I had just put down the phone when someone knocked on the door. You in there? Depends on what you're looking for. I'm looking for Mr. Mr. Jay. Jay, did you say? Nobody by that name here. Oh, yeah. I, I see. I, I guess I got the wrong room. Yeah, well, uh, why don't you ask down at the desk? Huh? Yeah, yeah. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Where is it? I cracked the door open again, watched him walk to the stairs. Then I took the elevator down the eight flights to the lobby. Half an hour later, I was in the back seat of the Meek limousine, heading toward the home out on Buzzards Bay. It was a big, sprawling frame building facing on the beach. About 50 yards behind it, closer to the road, was the Meek Memorial Museum. I was starting up the front steps when the door opened. Mr. Dollar? Ah, that's right. I'm Paul Meek. I understand you have an appointment with my grandmother. Right again. Now come in, please. She's waiting for you upstairs in the sitting room. Okay, thanks. Uh, before you go up, I wonder if I could have a few words with you. Why not? Stay in here, then. You've never met my grandmother, have you? No, no, I haven't had that pleasure. Some people consider it a dubious one, Mr. Dollar. Oh. Uh, Mr. Dollar, this is my wife, Janice. This is me. Hi. How about a drink? Uh, thanks, not just now. How about you, old stick in the mud? You want another one? After a bit, Janice. And if I were you, I wouldn't have any more. But you're not me, are you? You will have to excuse my wife, Mr. Dollar. She, well, we've both been under a severe strain since moving here. Grandmother is blind, you know. No, I didn't know. Her sight began failing about four years ago. I'm surprised the insurance agent didn't tell you. Well, Mr. Green was so concerned over the theft of the Lincoln manuscript, I, I imagine it slipped his mind. Mm-hmm. And just how do you intend to locate that manuscript... I'm not so sure that I can. It would be a pity if you could be just awful. It's grandmother's prized possession. She hasn't been herself since it was stolen. And being quite elderly, well, we're all very much concerned. Oh, my, yes. We're afraid she might die and leave us all that lovely money. Janice. It's the truth. You see, Paul and I don't have any money of our own, Mr. Dowler. We'll never have any until she does die. Instead of giving it to us now while we're young, you know what she does with it? Spends it, buying junk for that soy old museum. Now, look. That's yeah. gratitude, isn't it? I bathe her feet or rub her feet and do all her dirty work. Janice, and... you've said quite enough. Mr. Dollar isn't interested in our personal problems. Oh, sick in the mud. All right. I'll be in the den if you want me. And that's the funniest thing I've said all day. If you want me. I'm sorry. She doesn't mean half of what she says. Uh, oh, that's grandmother's signal. Then hadn't we better go up? Yes. Yes, we'd better. We went up the broad staircase, through a hall, and into a bright, sunny room. Wrapped in an old kimono and shawl, Martha Meek sat in an invalid chair, facing the ocean. Paul introduced us, then sat down quietly near the door. Paul? Paul, I know you're there. Now answer me. Yes, Grandmother. You go on downstairs. I want to talk with Mr. Dollar in private. Whatever you say. And close that door. 
don't mind my back, Mr. Dollar. I couldn't see you if I looked into your face. Now then, when are you going to arrest that crook and bring my Lincoln speech back to me? Well, I, I'm going to need a lot of help and information, Mrs. Meek. Mm-hmm. What kind of information? Mostly about the museum. Like what? Well, do you know who was in there the night the manuscript disappeared? Certainly. That dirty robber was. <laughs> Anyone else? Well, old Pete's always there. Supposed to be guarding the place, but he didn't do a very good job the other night. Got himself slugged. Does he live on the grounds? Yes. I brought him over from Naples ten years ago. He was my guide in Italy. Showed me around so nice I decided to bring him back. Tell me, is the memorial open to the public? It was going to be. I intended it to be once. But when my eyes... No, Mr. Dollar, I keep it locked most of the time. Uh And who discovered the manuscript was missing? Pete did, I guess. At least when he recovered, he ran yelling bloody murder up here to the house. Everybody went down to see what had happened. Everybody but me. They left me all to myself. Were there any strangers here in the house that night, Mrs. Meek? Anyone besides the servants and your grandson and his wife? One person, but he's no stranger. Who's that? Jason Penrod from Richmond. He's an art dealer. We were discussing some business. May I, uh... Ask what kind of business? Uh, It has nothing to do with you or the people you work for. Sorry. Where can I find Mr. Penrod? Uh, He's staying here now. If he isn't in his room, then he's most likely out in the memorial. Now, that's enough questions. You, give me a cigarette. Ma'am? What's the matter, you deaf? Give me a cigarette before Paul or that snoopy wife of his comes prowling around. (laughs) All right, sure. Light me. Well, you want any more information? Pete's the one to talk to. All right, thanks. But what about your son and daughter-in-law? Were they inside the house at the time of the robbery? You don't suspect them, do you? Right now, I suspect everybody, Mrs. Meek. Even me? Yes, ma'am. Even you. Well, bless you, boy. I found Pete Vesuvio trimming the shrubbery just outside the memorial building. He seemed quite willing to talk to me. Uh, how you say what happened to me, mister? I'm uh, hit out? <laughs> Knocked out, Pete. Ah, see, si, senor. And because of this, I do not see anything. Nothing at all, huh? Please, mister, do not use the insult. I am American citizen, first papers. And because of the kindness of my patron, I will soon be second papers. I know by heart the Constitution, United States, Gettysburg address, pledge allegiance to my flag. Yeah. You know how I know that these things which help me be citizen? Because of my lady, she's letting me work in a place where great papers are for me to read. Because of her, I would not hide anything, mister. Okay, Pete, okay, I'm convinced. But I'm sorry I cannot help you, mister. Well, it's not your fault. Hey, you like to hear me say Gettysburg address. Well, Do it very good. Learn it right from President's own writing. Some other time, Pete. Right now, I have to find Mr. Penrod. Oh, he's inside, mister. Counting the treasures. All of the beautiful things a lady can no longer see. You'll find him in a Section L, senor. I found the small, neat-appearing art dealer just where Pete had said he'd be, peering into a glass case crowded with Derringer pistols. He had a notebook under his arm and seemed to be making some sort of inventory. 
Oh, dear. You gave me quite a fright, sir. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I uh, wish I could concentrate like that. Oh, well, there's nothing more interesting to me than these final pistol things. <laughs> what history they must have, Mr. Uh, Dollar. Johnny Dollar. Oh, yes, the insurance investigator. Paul told me you were wondering about the place. I, I suppose you'd like to ask me some questions, hmm? If you don't mind. Oh, no, goodness, no. I understand you were with Mrs. Meek the night of the robbery. Uh, that is correct, sir. We heard the shouting. We ran out here just as fast as we could. I was the one who discovered the manuscript was missing. You have any idea how the thief got in here? No, sir, no, no. Unless someone forgot to lock the front door, or unless he had a key. <laughs> Well, has Mrs. Meek given out many of the keys? Well, in my opinion, too many. <laughs> Even I have one. What about Paul Meek and his wife? No, I don't think so. Well, they, they really aren't interested in the museum at all, Mr. Dollar. Oh. Uh, Mr. Penrod, I understand you're quite an authority on antique art and things like that. Well, I... Uh... Isn't taking inventory a little beneath your position? Well, I suppose it is, Mr. Dolliver. Uh, last week, when I received dear Mariah's wire asking me to do it, I, I simply couldn't refuse. She's been such a good customer of mine. Will yes. You have any idea who might have wanted the Lincoln manuscript? Well, I know several persons who'd love to have it. You give most anything, but I don't know anyone with uh, the nerve to break in here and take it by force. You remember where Paul Meek and his wife were when you heard Pete shouting? They were right in here when I arrived. I see. Well, thanks for... Oh, just one more thing. Oh, yes? If you'd stolen the manuscript... Mr. Dollar... A hypothetical question, Mr. Penrod. But if you had, and you wanted to sell it at a good price with the least danger of being caught, how would you go about it? Well, I, I, I take it abroad, of course. I put it on the open market over there. Huh. You aren't planning on going abroad soon, are you, Mr. Penrod? Oh, gracious, no. <laughs> you know anyone who is? Anyone who, uh... Who oh, didn't Paul and Janice tell you? Oh, they're flying to Paris Wednesday night. I left the memorial and walked back to the house. The Meeks were in the study, engaged in their favorite pastime. When I told them what the art dealer had said, Paul set down his glass long enough to confirm the fact that they did have reservations and insisted that he had a logical explanation for not having told me of those plans earlier. Very logical explanation, Mr. Dollar. Let me handle this, Janice, please. Sure. Drink, Johnny? No, first I want to hear that explanation, if you don't mind, Paul. Of course I don't mind. Janice and me, were fed up. Why didn't you tell me about the plane reservations? Well, why should I have? I'm not even sure I'm going to use them. Oh? Grandmother's upset enough over losing that manuscript. Something else might... Well, anyhow, if the manuscript doesn't turn up within 48 hours, we're canceling our trip. Oh, no, please. Sorry, Janice, but that's the way it's got to be. She did it. What do you mean? It's an act, don't you see? Jason Penrod told her we were going to leave, so she had him hide the manuscript. And now this thing about her being so upset and having such a weak heart. It's an act to keep her precious darling boy tied to her apron strings. I don't believe that. Well, just wait. You will. Anything else, Dollar? What does a trip to Paris cost, Paul? Well, it's not inexpensive. Your wife was complaining about being so broke. Haven't you ever heard of flying now and paying later? We have friends in Paris, Dollar. It won't cost as much to live once we get there. And we'll worry about paying for our ticket when we get back. Any other questions, Mr. Snooper? Yeah. Later. It was after seven when I finally got back to my hotel room. I ordered a drink and tried to make some kind of sense out of the information I'd gathered during the day. 
but it all added up to zero. I called Hartford and asked Max Green to look into the meek finances. Then I dressed for dinner. I was about to go downstairs when the phone rang. Johnny Dollar. Mr. Dollar, I was told to call you. Yeah? It's about the ad. The ad? In tonight's paper about something missing from a certain memorial. Go on. Well, I called Hartford Collect. They said to call you. Yeah, that's right. Who is this? Now, my name's not important, Dollar, but that ten grand reward is. You think you can earn it? You meet me tonight, you'll see. Where? In the alley behind the Bourne Whaling Museum. Be there at 9.30 and be alone. You got it? Yeah, I got it. Expense account item four, 85 cents cab fare from my hotel to the Bourne Whaling Museum. I don't like wandering around dark alleys at night, alone in a strange town. It isn't the best way to stay alive. But at 9.29, I passed the old whaling museum and started down the alley. It was dark, no moon, and it was very quiet. I was about 20 yards in from the street when I saw him, curled up in a ball like he had a stomachache, only he didn't. Because somebody had made him very dead. I struck a match and turned him over. I'd only seen him once before, but I didn't have any trouble remembering where it had been. Right after I'd checked in, he'd knocked on my hotel room door. By mistake. At least that's what he'd said. After giving a statement to the local police who identified him, I went back to my hotel. Evening, Mr. Dollar. Yeah, say, uh, look, I know it's probably against all your rules, but uh, who had my room just before I checked in? Oh, I couldn't disclose that information, sir. Sorry. Oh, well, so am I. It'd mean a lot for me to know. Maybe even five bucks worth. Well, I... Uh... Well, sir, if it's that important... <clears throat> Thank you. Now, let's see. Uh... Um... Yeah, yes, here it is. Uh, can you read his signature, Mr. Dollar? Yeah, thanks. Just fine. The name I'd seen scrawled on the hotel register wasn't important now. At least not without something more to back it up. There was no law against checking out of a hotel. But there was a law against murder, if it could be proven. And that would be hard to do without finding a motive. So I went back to the Meek house to look for it. I paid off the taxi, that's item five, and started up the front steps. Oh, hi, Johnny. I thought it might be you. That's so? Mm-hmm. I hope you aren't mad at me for the things I said today. No, no, not at all. I've been a very bad girl. But everything's going to be all right now. It is. Mm-hmm. Or haven't you heard? Heard what? About dear old grandmother. She had a real bad stroke. Isn't expected to live. You, uh, aren't a bit sorry, are you? Would you be, if you were me? Dollar, you mind coming up here? No, not a bit, Paul. I was trying to reach you at your hotel. Thank goodness you've come here. Did Janice tell you? Yeah. How is she? Bad. Doctor's given up. Says it's only a matter of hours. Uh, she told me to send for you, Mr. Dollar. Oh? I don't know why. But I've never been able to figure out a lot of things she did. All right, where is she? In there. Oh, Pete's with her, but go on in. Thanks. Would they increase devotion to that cause for which they here gave her the last... Who is it? Oh, it's uh, Mr. Dollar, my lady. Hello, Mrs. Meek. Oh, thank you for coming, Mr. Dollar. I uh, go now. No, wait. 
Mr. Dollar, you have a moment, haven't you? Of course. I promised Pete the last time I visited the museum. I promised I'd let him recite some of the things he's learned while working there. Haven't been able to keep that promise till now. Go on, Pete. Please. Yes, my lady. They here gave the last full measure of devotion. That we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain. That this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom. And that the government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. Thank you. That was wonderful. Thank you, my lady. Now I, I go. Well, Mr. Dollar, I have a confession to make to you. Yes? I lied to you. Oh, I'm sure it wasn't a very big lie, Mrs. Meek. Oh, but it was. I told you the business Mr. Penrod and I were discussing the night of the burglary. Yes. I told you it had nothing to do with you or the people you work for, remember? Yes, ma'am. Well, that was a lie. I'm broke, Mr. Dollar. All I have left in the world is this house and the things in the memorial. I see. That's why I sent for Jason Penrod. He purchased most of my treasures for me. He's evaluating them now. So Paul and Janice will know what they're worth when they go to sell them, which they'll do immediately. Mrs. Meek, don't you think you should try to rest now? Will you give me a cigarette? No, ma'am. Sorry. And you must rest. There isn't much else to do, is there? Good night, Mr. Dollar. Outside in the hall, Paul and Janice Meek were talking quietly to Jason Penrod. Off in the corner, standing with his back to the others, was Pete Vesuvio. Mr. Dollar, is she... She's resting quietly. Oh, dear God. Why did you lie to me, Pete? What? I never lied to nobody. Who say I did? I say you did. You're crazy, mister. What lie I tell you? You said you learned the Gettysburg Address right from Mr. Lincoln's own writing in the museum. That's a no lie. What's the matter you don't believe that, mister? I believe you, Pete. But I just had to be sure. Come on, let's join the others, shall we? Si. Well, good evening, Mr. Dollar. Mr. Penrod. Tell you any of the family secrets, Johnny? Not too many. You learn anything in there you didn't know before? Yeah. I know which one of you stole the Lincoln Manuscript. One of us? Why, you're crazy, Dollar. We were all in the house at the time it happened. That's right. But one of you hired a little man named Leo Jones to do your dirty work. Jones called me earlier this evening. He was going to tell me which one of you it was. Evidently, he didn't like the deal he was getting. What was he doing, Penrod, trying to blackmail you? What are you talking about? I don't know any Leo Jones. Then why did he come around to my hotel room this morning? The same room you just checked out of. Well, that doesn't mean a thing. I imagine several persons have been to that room today. Sure, but they're still alive. Now, let's get to the phony Lincoln manuscript. Phony manuscript? It wasn't phony, Mr. Dollar. Wasn't it? Well, you correct me if I'm wrong, Penrod. After Mrs. Meek purchased one of the first two drafts of Mr. Lincoln's Gettysburg Address, she started losing her sight. When she closed the museum to the public, you saw a chance to make yourself another $100,000 sale. So you switched copies of the manuscript, replacing that draft with one containing the words, Under God, which isn't worth anything close to a hundred grand. What do you mean, Dollar? All right, let me quote. 
that this nation, under God, shall have a new birth of freedom, and so on. What? The phrase, under God, was not in the manuscript he sold your grandmother, but it was in the copy old Pete has been studying in the museum. Right, Mr. Penrod? All of you, stay right where you are. You get what Jones got. Mr. Dora. He won't go far, Pete. But I am the guard. The lady will want me to stop him. Pete, come back here. Keep away from me. Pete! Come on. better. See, si, senor. Yes, Pete. I did good. You did fine. Pete Vesuvio will live to apply for his second paper. <laughs> and in time, probably open a spaghetti joint in New Bedford. Penrod will be tried for murder. As yet, he hasn't disclosed the name of the person who purchased the stolen manuscript. But on time, I am sure he will. As for the Meeks, well, Mariah passed on later that night. But as she said, there was nothing left for her but to rest. Expense account total, including hotel and numerous incidentals, $98.30. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Hollywood. It's time. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big. 